Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. Remissed uh, to be a couple months past a 20-year anniversary for Mr. Ryer's tenure at Bama Online. Amazing run there for sure. A lot of following as well. Uh, Talking Tide podcast on Twitter. You handle his Talking underscore Tide. You can also get us on YouTube and Facebook Live. And, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I want to thank Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa Heat Pizza Bar in downtown Government Square and Caldera Men's Skin Products. More on all of them a little bit later in the program. We dive right in, Travis, with a preview of Alabama, Texas, the Crimson Tide uh, hosting the Longhorns on the back end of a one-for-one contract. And uh, a lot of excitement in Tuscaloosa about this game. Alabama coming in ranked number three in the nation. Texas will come in ranked number 11. You got some interesting storylines for sure, Travis, with Saban v. Sark, uh, with the uh, band-slash-visiting-seat arrangement uh, at issue as well this week. Uh, plenty on the bone to, to dive into, but uh, we'll, we'll start with the football uh, as as we're prone to do. Um, big night, obviously, for Jalen Milrow. Huge step up in competition for him uh, and the offensive line as well. I, I, I feel like the uh, the Alabama running game needs to do a lot and, and, frankly, a little bit better than it did a year ago of supporting things for Alabama on the offensive end. Uh, your initial thoughts on the, the Alabama O V the Texas D. Yeah, I still think it's going to be largely about that Alabama run game, but I think with Jalen's ability to be such a factor, not just on extended plays or certainly like we saw against middle Tennessee state, how he can take a errant snap and turn it into a touchdown. I think on design quarterback runs, there's going to need to be more of that. There really wasn't any of it. Now, there was the zone read stuff that we saw him keep on and score, but I'm talking about quarterback counters. I'm talking about quarterback powers. <laughs> I'm talking about really getting him involved in the uh, run game, Chase. So, Sounds uh, like a Steve Campbell impersonation. Yeah, man. you know, that was my Southern <laughs> Mississippi TR. Uh, well, I, mean, I think that he's still going to have to hit throws. And I think that that was a confidence-building performance, maybe not even as much for himself, because the guy obviously has some self-belief, but for the fan base. But I still think within this fan base, it's more about, well, I hope Jalen Hurts is ready for what's coming next, more so than – that's it. This is our guy. I know it. And he'll have a chance to cement that coming up on Saturday night. They're definitely going to test him on the defensive side, no doubt about it. Uh, I, I think you'll see Texas come after him a little bit early just to see how he does with uh, blitz reads, protection checks, things of that nature. If that's bad early, Texas will see if it's bad late. I promise you. Uh, so things to watch there for sure. Um, you know, the running game, which I alluded to earlier, it, it, it's interesting when you go back and look at what Alabama's running game did against the Longhorns in Austin a year ago, Travis, on, it, in the box score looks pretty darn good. 24 for 161, an average of more than six yards a pop. Uh, but if you watch that game and, and, and recall how it played out, Alabama got 
101 of those 161 from two runs, the Jace McClellan breakaway and the Bryce Young scramble at the end that set up the, the game-winning field goal. Uh, in between, pretty inconsistent um, against the Longhorns front seven. So, you know, 6.7 yards, six, six plus yards of carry is six plus yards of carry. But I think if you're the Alabama o, uh, uh, offensive staff, uh, you'd like to see more runs where you're just getting five and moving the sticks. Yeah, and you're able to control the game, right? And that's been just a staple of Nick Saban football at the University of Alabama. And I'm sure that was as maddening for him last season as anyone else, especially when the fourth quarter rolled around. And it took too much in the way of heroics from one person on the field, I'm sure, for Nick's liking. But that's that's the game a year ago where the boom or bust really started to surface for the Alabama run game. And it was something throughout – the entirety of the season. Alabama is certainly talented enough in the backfield uh, with the running back stable that it has currently. Uh, good enough up front, I think. But this is a legitimate Texas front seven. You know, we talk about Alabama's inside linebackers, but Jalen Ford for Texas, a really good player. I think he has five interceptions in the last two seasons. Uh, so he's, he's more than capable. Uh, you know, but we're going to put so much of this on Jalen but the supporting cast around Bryce in Austin last year, not just the running backs, not just the offensive line, these receivers have got to play better. And that was encouraging for Middle Tennessee State as well. Uh, no drops uh, looked to be maturing uh, as in relation or comparison to a year ago. That's got to take another step because I think Texas is going to come up and play those guys, man. I don't think Texas is going to sit back in soft coverage. You know, like this is Jerry Judy or Devontae Smith. They're going to say, we know you got a big offensive line. We know you've got some great backs. We understand that you're probably going to involve your quarterback more in the run game than you did in the opener. We're going to put seven or eight up there, and let's see if these guys can beat our guys, and then if your quarterback can hit throws for a second straight week. And it might take something over the top from Jalen Milrow in order to get them to back off. Maybe a couple of throws over the top uh, to, to – to, Earlier, for, force a safety to, to play a little bit more on his heels. Yeah, it it, it didn't really matter last week, uh, even though MTSU was being pretty aggressive in its approach to the run game. Uh, but I think it, it could be earlier this week that you, you know, go ahead and take a shot or two. And again, I think Texas feels like uh, at the corners they're good enough. They got a true freshman and Malik Muhammad that we'll see in some form or fashion whether it's as the starter, as a guy that they'll rotate in there, uh, has a very bright future. And then they've got a lot of experience at the other corner spot. They added Jalen Catalan at the safety position from Arkansas. Um, so they got some guys back there too. Alabama defense against the Texas offense. We'll flip it over and take a look at that really quickly as well. Travis uh, Quinn Ewers obviously Pretty much ate Alabama up for 15 minutes last year. Had the shoulder injury to, around the end of the first quarter that knocked him out for the balance of the game. Was was definitely, uh, and we touched on this, I think, uh, Sunday night in the last podcast. Things weren't looking good at all for Alabama when Ewers was in there. Uh, he ended up missing several weeks, I think, with that shoulder injury. This year he's da he's he's dropped some weight, a little lighter, maybe a little quicker, 100, uh, supposedly under 200 pounds now, Travis. Uh, remarkable for a guy who I think was in the 215, 218 range uh, just a year ago. So something to watch there as well. 
Yeah, and just he needs to stay on the ground. You know, he got hurt on a play and where he left his feet in the face of an on-rushing Dallas Turner and paid the price for it. And so, uh, been a lot of talk this week. Quinn Ewers as a vertical passing game uh, thrower. Is he truly elite at this point in his development? Uh, I think they're going to take some shots too. I think with Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington and A.D. Mitchell and the guys they have on the outside, you almost have to. And certainly when you consider the uncertainty that Alabama's dealing with, I know we heard from Nick Saban uh, on Wednesday in relation to the availability of Jalen Key and Malachi Moore, but uh, that didn't sound anything but certain. And you and I have talked about this day for years when it comes to injuries, right? Wednesday is a big day. So it was good to hear Nick say that those guys had been able to participate uh, but it, it wasn't uh, all systems go sort of proclamation that I picked up from Saban either. Yeah, he made a distinction between being back at practice and being 100%. And, and yeah. they're certainly looking to see how close to 100% they can get those two guys, two very important guys in the Alabama secondary, no doubt about it. Uh, if either one of them uh, could not go, that would be a, a, a big deal. Both couldn't go, could be a huge deal. Now, I'll, I'll say this. You know, Saban made those comments, if I'm not mistaken, around lunchtime on Wednesday. I'm I'm assuming they were back at practice Tuesday based on that. Um, yeah. So, you know, again, for the two of them to just miss one day of practice instead of two, I think that's I think that's big, too. And and, uh, you know, you know, maybe uh, going into the Wednesday practice, you're able to work out a few physical kinks and and then, uh, you know, have a better chance of of getting on the field uh, on Saturday. Not that it's ideal at either position to be dealing with a lower extremity issue, like apparently both these guys are. But if I were going to say either star or safety, which way would you go? I think I'd go safety and understanding there's a lot of ground to cover, but everything that goes into playing that slot corner short space quickness you got to be able to stop start on a dime and then bring it to uh within the box a lot of times as a tackler what about you what where do you go in terms of it being most difficult to play with that kind of injury at less than 100 percent? yeah that's a tough call to to me i think the safety position might be a little bit of an easier go uh, if you're um, if you're talking about a lower extremity injury because there's a little bit more quick stops and starts when you're in that star role and you're going to be covering shorter routes, um, quick breaking routes. So you know that that that's that's a, and also I think it could be argued that that safety spot might might be the more important of the two against Texas because uh, you know like you said Ewers is going to take some shots whether he hits them or not. You want to be good to go with safety in terms of help for the corners and and not letting uh, an outstanding group of Texas receivers uh, take the lid off the top. Yeah. On the other hand, Devontae Smith's already out too. So if you're down Malachi and you're down Jalen Key, you're down three safeties. So when you go to dime this week, if you're down those three safeties, who's going to be your third safety in the game? And that's assuming that one of them's Christian story. Another's Caleb downs. You get into Jake Popeville at that point. I mean, what are you, what are you looking at? I mean, do you, do you 
Do you work with an Earl Little sliding over or somebody like that? Who knows? Maybe he has some cross training that we're not entirely aware of. That could certainly be the case. It's interesting. And the downside, if you're short a nickelback or if you're playing a nickelback who's not 100%, is that on the third and threes, you can get dinked and dunked and dimed for first down after first down if you can't cover the short stuff in the slot. So – um, pick your poison, really. I think at corner and star, regardless, Alabama should be okay because I really like Trey Amos to go along with Terry and Arnold uh, and also Kool-Aid. So uh, if if you're in that situation where you're playing Kool-Aid and Amos at your corners and Terry and Arnold inside at the star, I, I think you can, you can be okay with that. I think in the nickel, if you play uh, story with downs, if it comes down to it, you can still be okay. But when you go to dime, you know, and understanding you're probably going to be a nickel far more than anything else. Uh, I'm sure it's something that that's still keeping Nick Saban up a little bit at night. Yeah. People are going to be eyeballing those warmups real close on Saturday to see, to see what those two guys look like Malachi Moore and Jalen key special teams wise, Travis, I, I, th- I think both teams look pretty loaded for bear. I mean, Will Reichard's, uh, value to Alabama goes without saying. I think James Burnham looks like he's a, a little bit better punter this year. Um, and Texas, for their part, if I'm not mistaken, their kicker and their punter were both preseason first team all Big 12. So the kicking games probably looking sharp on both ends. Yeah, it, it seems like Texas has always had really good specialists. You go back to the Southwest Conference days, even with Arkansas back then, Texas A&M. I mean, when I was a kid in the 70s, I mean, you had guys like Steve Cox at Arkansas. Uh, Tony Franklin was at Texas A&M kicking barefooted back in the day. You probably remember <laughs> Tony Franklin. Russell oh, yeah. Erkslaben was a straight-on guy at Texas. These guys were kicking like 65-yard field goals in games regular. And right. No big deal. Now, different rules back then. You were able to use the block and not kick off the ground, those type of things. But, no, I, I agree. I, I think that especially between Auburn and Will Reichard, um, similar to a year ago, both those guys were dialed up a ton. And, obviously, it came down to the big kick from Will Reichard late, but he had the big one early, too. That 52-yarder in the first quarter, it showed up pretty big by the time he got around to drilling the game winner. When I was a kid, I used to confuse Tony Franklin and Tony Fritch. You remember Tony (laughs) Fritch? (laughs) Single bar guy. Well, and the bar was pulled straight down. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't just that Tony Fritch was with the Oilers that I remember the most. Tony I think he kicked in the USFL, too. I think he smoked a cigarette or two on a USFL sideline. Yeah, Yugoslavia everywhere. But the bar, it wasn't that Tony Fritch was a single – the bar was straight down. I mean, there was (laughs) – what's the point? I guess he had to wear something, but, yeah, there was no protection at all. No, no, no doubt about it. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Talking Tide Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. Give us a follow there. Give us a like and a subscribe on YouTube as well. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors of the show right now really quickly. 
First, going to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar, located in downtown Tuscaloosa in Government Square, the perfect place to eat on a football weekend when you're looking for great food, a full bar, and a fun atmosphere. Recently named one of the top pizzerias in the entire state, Heat Pizza Bar offers fantastic signature pizzas like the Standard, which is loaded up with pepperoni, sausage, green peppers, and sweet onion. That one, I can tell you firsthand, is outstanding. They've also got a wide array of salads, the best jalapeno poppers in town. Go see Frank Fleming and his friendly staff for your next pizza in T-Town at 2256th Street downtown. If you're coming in this Friday, they've got a happy hour going on from 2 to 5 p.m. on Friday. Half-price domestic beers, half-price appetizers, and $4 well drinks only at Heat Pizza Bar. And TV management, as I've said many, many times about Heat Pizza Bar. My guy, Frank, if he's got 10, 15 TVs in Heat like he does, they're on sports. And they're not just on sports. They're on sports relevant to what your interests are. So, And it's not all the same that. game yeah, either. You know, they got a mix. Doesn't, he doesn't have it on Nickelodeon and MSNBC or yeah. one of the news networks. No, he's got just sports stuff. He's got the TV management handled at Heat. I'm going to tell you about. Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Huge game weekend in Tuscaloosa. No pregame party. No tailgate is complete without Peterbrook Chocolatier. And hey, if you have one of those luxury boxes at Bryant-Denny Stadium, did you know Peterbrook Chocolatier facilitates the boxes within the stadium? So if you want... Peterbrook in your box at Bryant Denny Stadium. You can make that happen. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 16 years in business in Tuscaloosa, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills check section of Tuscaloosa. Check them out this weekend. Last but not least, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor this month. It is Caldera Men's Skin Products, available now at a discount just for our listeners with the promo code TIDE at calderalab.com slash tide. If you live in Alabama, you know the sun can be hard on your face. So take care of it. I'm trying to do the same with Caldera. They've got a team of four products that Travis and I are trying out this month. The clean slate, the base layer, the icon, and the good. This week, going to tell you about the good. It's kind of the crown jewel in that Caldera collection. Nighttime use only. It's actually a serum. It's going to come in a dropper. Just a few drops will make your face feel great. Check out all the Caldera products out at calderalab.com slash Tide just for the Talking Tide audience. Caldera offering 20% off with the discount code Tide. Once again, that's calderalab slash. Let me try that again. Calderalab.com slash Tide. And we will move on for the ballot. What about it, Travis, by the way? How are you liking those products? I like them. I really love the clean slate. I know it's the one we started with, and I've enjoyed the others as well. I like them all, really, the clean slate primarily because I can put it in the shower. I can put that bottle in the shower, use it in the shower, take care of everything in one shot, and I'm good to go. Absolutely. All right. The Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Moving on again, the Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. Uh, Travis. We will start uh, by bringing back the Vegas man and the ticket man updates. We're going to do that with big games this fall. Maybe not every single game. Didn't do it last week with Middle Tennessee State. But, Travis, the Vegas man has got the Crimson Tide by a touchdown, seven points at home. Thoughts from you I on think that. that's about right. 
You know, I think that, uh, I don't know. You, you, you probably have paid more attention to this, this time around than I have. I don't know. Has there been much movement? I, I think it was seven and a half, maybe at one point. So maybe it's moved a, a half point, a hook, just uh, a little bit, Texas, just a little bit, but, It'll be interesting to see what happens throughout the week, especially with this injury situation involving the Alabama secondary. Um, you know that Nick Saban, home game for Alabama, I mean, kind of the the minimum favorite that Alabama is going to be in that situation probably 95% of the time since 2010 or so uh, has been at least a touchdown, six points, seven points. So, um I think it's right where it needs to be. I think it's going to be that kind of game. Uh, I, I would say take the hook either way. If you can buy it down or buy it up, depending on which way you want to go, you, you, you'd probably be, probably be justified in doing that. What about you? I think it's a stay-away game because I do think the number's about in the right place. Yep. The, the fact that it's only moved a half a point, if at all, all week long – tells you that they nailed it from the beginning of the week, right? That's what that means when it, when the line really doesn't move. The total, so, too. Total, yeah. too. What, I, what's the total? At? I think it's 50. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a I wonder, if, I wonder if those new clock rules are going to help unders this fall. Well, they didn't football. seem to matter much in the SEC in week one because you had 10 <laughs> teams score 44 or more. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But, that's right. You know, obviously – these are going to be two more evenly matched teams. And I think it's going to be, I, I'm sensing a grinder type. So even the, even the total, I'm not, I'm not in love with. Right. Yeah. Stay away game for me, for sure. Uh, the ticket man, Travis, upper deck corners with the Texas fans. If you and want the, the cheap seats in the band as well. And, Be- uh, and Bevo. How are they going to get Bevo up there? I don't know what they're <laughs> Bevo is going to have to. They're, they're going to have to move out some seats, I think, for Beef. But I think Bevo. Uh, I think Bevo is probably going to stay back for this yeah. one. I don't know. Maybe they'll have him down on the sideline. Yeah, it's. Uh, they, I can't see them having him down there. It's just too tight down there. I think Bevo stays back. Apparently, they're going to bring like a mini band or some some kind of smaller yeah. version of the band. I suppose. Be interesting to see how much noise can uh, noise they can make from the acoustic upper set. Yeah, acoustic set. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, tickets in the aforementioned upper deck, Travis, especially in the corners where they tend to be a little cheaper, uh, they've fallen under 200 bucks. I think they're in about the 150 to 200 range uh, in the premium seats in the lower bowl between the 40s. I checked on those. Looks like people are holding firm at about 500 or more per ticket uh, for those seats. So basically, even though it's not an SEC game, it's costing like an SEC game. Oh, it and is. a big one. It's a high-level SEC game relative to, you know, even LSU and Tennessee uh, headed to Tuscaloosa a little bit later in the season. And it goes back to what we talked about over the last couple of years. It's all about premium seating now. That's, that's where the premium price comes in. I think most folks, if it's sit in the upper corner or the upper end zone or just stay home and watch it on my 975-inch television in AC with my restrooms and my cold drink, yeah, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. All right, the SEC. Look ahead really quickly, Travis. We're going to bounce around at uh, some interesting contests around the Southeastern Conference beyond Alabama-Texas this week. You got – uh, the, these are, there's actually one, two, there's a half a dozen 
non-conference SEC versus power five. Well, excuse me, five of them. Uh, Vanderbilt at Wake Forest, Texas A&M at Miami, Auburn at Cal, Arizona at Mississippi State, and you've got Ole Miss traveling to the 24th ranked Tulane Green Wave. What what game among those intrigues you the most, Travis? You know, I think a lot of people are going to go Texas A&M Miami just because of it having that feel of a crossroads game for Jimbo Fisher and maybe even for Mario Cristobal still early for Mario, but uh, I'm looking forward to that old Miss Tulane game in new Orleans. I think the chances are there for a shootout and Michael Pratt quarterback for Tulane uh, fun guy to watch. Uh, I, I think that Jackson dart Quinshawn Judkins and the old Miss offense have a chance to put up points too. So in terms of entertainment value, Chase, I'd probably go Green Wave Rebels. Where are you looking? I agree. I think that one could be a shootout. I like Ole Miss to cover the spread. They're favored by seven. I know Tulane can score. I'm a Pratt fan. Uh, Tulane, I, I think, to a large extent, is, is, is arrived. I think there might be some staying power there, which is which is not something you normally would say about a good Tulane team. Usually when Tulane's good, it's just a blip on the radar. Or LSU's really bad. One of the two, yeah. Um, I think Tulane's kind of got it going. At the same time, I expect Ole Miss to be able to get it done uh, on the line of scrimmage and with depth maybe that Tulane does not have uh, and and pull away in the second half. But I do think Tulane's going to potentially put up a lot of points against that Ole Miss defense. Um, Vanderbilt at Wake Forest, Travis. You're talking about a team in Wake Forest that couldn't run the ball against Elon in their first game, and Vanderbilt's offensive line didn't look great against Hawaii, I don't think, didn't run the ball especially well. I think they ran it a little better in their second game against Alabama A&M. But if if Ole Miss-Tulane has a chance to be the most exciting one, I think Vandy Wake might have, of that list, might be the least exciting. Yeah, a real chance for Vandy to start the season 4-0, and especially if they can get this one in Winston-Salem. And this is an early kickoff on Saturday in North Carolina, 10 a.m. Central. It's 11 a.m. local time kickoff for uh, Wake and Vandy. I'm with you. I, I saw Vandy firsthand in Nashville a couple of weeks ago against Hawaii. Uh, played well in spots, but just inconsistent, even in the game against Alabama A&M last weekend didn't really blow your hair back so I think that will be a four-quarter game though I I don't think I'll be surprised either way I just I worry about where Vandy's at relative to where we thought Vandy might be two games into the season right right I think I like A&M down there in South Florida against the Canes uh I think Auburn gets it done against Cal Arizona I don't know a lot about Arizona and full disclosure I know Mississippi State looks like a much different team under Zach Arnett. The offense has been slowed down some for sure. Uh, Will Rogers threw a career low 29 passes. And when I say career low, I mean in starts um, against uh, uh, last week. So, you know, it's uh, I'm interested to see how that one plays out. Yeah, I think Will Rogers is getting that Gary Hollinsworth in 1990 treatment. Remember when Alabama went from Bill Curry and Homer Smith to Gene Stallings? Yeah. And Hollinsworth had that huge 89 
And then it was play action and play defense and let's punt it. And so that may be the case for Will Rogers, but it's very nice having a quarterback with that kind of experience. You know, Woody Marks, obviously a big part now, what they're doing in this offense that's moved on from the air raid. So yeah, I think for, uh, Important for Mississippi State uh, to, to play well here coming up for a couple of different reasons. I think LSU's on the not-too-distant horizon for the Bulldogs. As I once overheard in that Northport barbershop, Travis, there ain't no halftime adjustment for power football. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, we're going to dive into that two-deep tumbler really quickly, Travis, see who comes out of here. Uh, this time, I'm going to give this tumbler a little spin and pull out somebody in that 2D. Who we got this week? We have got. There it goes. There you go. I always lose one. Number 86, James Burnup, the punter, Travis, a guy with a, a lot of experience. We mentioned him briefly early in the program. Uh, you're a special teams guy. What are, what are your thoughts on how he looked against uh, Middle Tennessee State and, and going forward the season? I thought he looked good. You know, I think he's made gradual improvement. Give the guy a lot of credit. He's an Australian who really hadn't punted uh, in a football game uh, before arriving at Alabama, at least not one of any type of significance. So it's been very much an adaptation process for him. I think initially he was very comfortable with the Aussie-style punts. It's been more in the way of the traditional punting that it's taken him some time. The concern I have is he probably should have had one blocked against Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee got a free runner between the uh, personal protectors for Alabama. And you know Jeff Banks, the Texas special teams coordinator, saw that. So be on alert. I think Texas will be coming for one early for sure. Uh, but Burnup is has continued to improve. I also think he's been undervalued as a holder for Will Reichard because remember he came on in game at Auburn in 2021 after Paul Tyson had his struggles, replaced Tyson in game, did a nice job, and he's been the guy ever since for Will Reichard. Isn't it unbelievable the way Australia is turning out these these punters in college football? I, I yeah. mean, it, it it's it's just been a it's just been wave after wave of them the last I don't know what's it been 10, 10 yeah. 15 years now. We are losing jobs <laughs> to the Aussies when it comes to punting. There's no doubt about it, man. And you know some of these cats, I, I'm not sure how old they really are, but hard to argue <laughs> with the production at this point. <laughs> No doubt about it. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us when we reconvene on Sunday night to recap the Alabama-Texas game. Until then, for Travis Ryer, the longtime 20-year senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodred, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News and co-host of Crimson Cover Television, which you can check out on Friday nights at 6.30 p.m., on WVUA 23. Until then, we're signing off. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.